Hi, welcome back. Michelle Sparks with you, Illuminating Anorexia Eating, Self and Body Issues. Great to have your company. I am picking up on the last episode, which was on spiritual power. And today I want to move forward and talk to you about uh, what to do when you are driven by fear. And I want to talk to you about that experience of being driven by fear. And I want to talk to you about the spiritual dimension that is part of that experience of being driven by fear. And the reason I wanted to bring this to you is because I was aware the other morning, um, just with respect to uh, the challenges and the ongoing journey that I'm facing with my mum, my beautiful aging mum, as she enters this uh, very difficult stage of life, um, lots of challenges with falls and what have you, and the challenge for me is, as I watch my mum travel through this period, it's really um, triggered some old overfunctioning in me, and that's that overfunctioning, that drivenness to be there in ways that at times are not um, helpful or healthful for my body, my well-being. In other words, I love my mum. I want to support her. I don't want to see her suffer. These are things that I really felt in my heart way back when I was developing anorexia. And that is that is 40 years ago. So what I'm saying is this stuff that is part of our inner being, our inner working, our self-experience, um, I worked through that. It was part of the story of my eating disorder. Descent into anorexia, trying to not be a burden, trying to pick up the pieces at home and really support my mum. Now, there was at the back of that some self-oriented motivation. You know, obviously, I was a young person. I was an adolescent and my mum was showing signs of stress and not coping in that part of my life, early adolescence and I felt like if I could just be a good enough girl, I could stop bad things from happening. And so I tried to be good and I tried to pick up my game in all areas of my life. And as I did that, I got out of control, progressively out of control, trying to please all these judges or all these voices of authority that I had allowed to speak into my life. And the more I did that, the more I started to clamp down on control of my body, on, on control of food and weight and calories and exercise, because it gave me a sense of safety. It gave me a sense of security as I my world became more and more out of control. It became much easier to control calories and kilo, kilograms, numbers, than to deal with the emotions and the fear I was feeling. Now, what I have said in other spaces, and is very important to say here, is that the eating disorder solution, for me, starvation, for me, restrictions that were never enough, so it moved into, you know, the anorectic, really uh, hardcore restraint, um, that actually feeds into this rigidity, okay? It feeds into this uh, rigidity, this black and white thinking, this polarized, I'm good, I'm bad, I'm worthwhile, I'm worthless, I've done the right thing, I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, the consequences become progressively high. Now, that happens in an eating disorder. That happens in anorexia. Because as you try and uh, bow the knee to this voice that says, oh, you know, just... Uh, this many calories, this much exercise, 
that's just very simplistic. But as you do that and you you increase, you tighten up the control on yourself, guess what? You cannot sustain it. You will break out at different points. You will find emotionally you can't sustain it. Physically, you can't sustain it. So there's a blip on the radar and you lose control. And, you know, in that place, it might be subjectively a small amount of loss of control or for other people in a different space with an eating disorder, it can be a much more substantial loss of control. But either way, when you lose control, that voice starts to punish you and really um, drive you with fear that, it, that now you've made a mistake and you better make up for that mistake. You better pay the price for that mistake because if you do something, if you don't, sorry, something really extreme and bad will happen. Now that is the lie driving the anorexia, my anorexia, drove me down the scales. You know, that that I needed to be good enough, how good is good enough, I needed to be perfect and if I couldn't be perfect, my world would fall apart and for me a big part of that falling apart would be that I would lose the support that I needed and I was a young person in a family so guess what, I needed the support of my parents and when I started out on that journey as I've said before, it starts very innocently, but as it picks up speed, you find yourself down the bottom of the scales, bowing the knee to this voice that is demanding perfection, perfect self-control over food and calories, and it is impossible to sustain that. So then you slip, and then you are, you feel guilty, you feel fearful, you feel terrified of the consequences of that slip, and you go back into restricting. And so you are dreaming driven by this horrendous fear and it is driving you down the scales into self-destruction. So that is a, the drive of fear that I am talking about. Now I do not experience that anymore, certainly with respect to uh, food and eating. And I don't, I don't uh, experience it the way I experienced it back then. But I noticed this other morning when I was, I got up and I was feeling a little bit heavy and a little bit anxious about the way forward. And because, you know, as I said in the last podcast, this journey with my mum, you know, she's 86. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And I need to pace myself so that I can sustain this journey um, and I can do it well. And I mean that physically and emotionally well. I can do it well. In the past, in my anorectic past, I drove myself to the point of just about, you know, losing my life. And everyone else's needs, particularly my mother's, were more important than my own. I could not hear my needs. I could not uh, respond to my needs. I was completely driven by this external focus on what other people needed. And the, the truth is, I felt that if I did not... Um, keep the plates spinning and look after everyone else, particularly my mum, then my life was going to fall apart. I would be destroyed. I would be without support. I could not articulate these thoughts, these fears when I was in the middle of my anorexia. And that is why I have written Illuminating Anorexia, because in that book, I use diary entries from that very time when I was, you know, 14 and 15, as well as the insight and the hindsight I have now as both a, a health professional, but also someone with lived experience looking back at that time, able to comment about that time from this space. So it's a really, you know, again, I'm I'm not self-promoting here, but it really is a, a good read if you are traveling or someone you love is traveling through this territory. 
It will help you get a sense of the person's first-hand experience as a person in that driven space. And it will also give you a bird's eye view, a look on from a distance at what is driving that person. What are the thoughts? What is going on emotionally? And, and how does that get reflected in the behavior? Because, you know, it really does help to see that person struggling in their environment. To understand that struggle helps you to get alongside that person and to support them more effectively. Back to this main story. So back to the other morning feeling anxious about the way forward. Recognizing that I was over-functioning. You know, I was trying to get up to the hospital every day and I wanted to spend hours with my mum every day. And and the truth is, that's in my heart. I really do want to hang out with my mum. I love her. I, I enjoy her company. And even if she can't do much or say much or, you know, she doesn't have to entertain me. I just want to be with her. I want to care for her. And that's well and good. But I was doing it. I was getting to a place where I was doing it at a level that I it was unsustainable. And and I was beginning to go, wow, Michelle, just have a look. Um, you need to just pace it out a bit more. And I made the decision to go and see her every second day. And then something more happened in her physical journey, another fall and, a, and more more serious risk to her well-being and, and her, you know, um, her life. And so then, again, I felt charged to, to jump in more, more strongly and the point of all this is I recognized that I'm overfunctioning. And so I took a look at this overfunctioning. And it's funny because when you start to overfunction in one area, you can find that you're overfunctioning in other areas as well. And I, I had become aware that I was overfunctioning. I was becoming more um, not driven. I, I don't really feel like I'm driven, but there, there's the movement towards that is what I'm saying. Both with my mum and at work, I could find myself looking at putting other people's needs above my own, which can be a, a thing that you do for a time and a season, but there's got you can't do that sustainably and be well. You've got to actually listen to your own needs, pull back, uh, reprioritize. You know, it's about boundaries. And certainly in the anorexia, I had no boundaries. I had no boundaries with my mum. If my mum was hurting or struggling in any way, I completely picked up the full responsibility for that and tried to make things better. That became my role and that, that actually got worse through the anorexia. As I said before, the attempted solution creates a problem and it works in this vicious cycle so that it feeds into itself and you get very tightly bound. It is a real sense of bondage is what I experience in the anorexia and what I know others experience in that place as well. So back to the overfunctioning and having a look at that. And I want to bring this to the spiritual dimension as well because I really feel like that drive that leads to the overfunction is around fear. And we can work with our thoughts, our fearful thoughts, I must, I should. We, we can work with that and question that and we can logically have an argument against that. That's kind of the work of cognitive behavioral training or therapy. So we can work with our cognitions and that is a good thing to do. We can work with our emotions and I'm a, trained as an emotion-focused practitioner in terms of my counselling approach. And this is really awesome because it sees our cognitions 
in this in the matrix of our emotional experience so you know it really addresses the way we think and feel and that deep inner sense of self all within the same frame it doesn't kind of I don't know work with us as thinking beings feeling beings um, emotive beings somatic beings you know body people living in bodies it actually works with the whole person um, I don't it doesn't speak to the spirit and that's something that I think is really an important dimension to bring to the way we work with the whole person and particularly in this arena where this drivenness by fear towards serious self-destruction um, is such a key feature so I do bring a spiritual dimension as I said before to my work in this space um, I do that particularly with my uh, teaching work with the 4x4 Freedom Express which is a guided online recovery program I don't uh, bring that into my counseling space you know unless someone specifically wants to look at that um, that is up to the person of course and I'm guided by the person but in uh, in an educative more educative space I am definitely bringing in that spiritual dimension because I have found it to be so key in um, overcoming and dealing with the fear that is so endemic in this um, problem and that fear it, it coming back to the fear let's talk about that because it's that that I needed to deal with in my own overfunctioning at this point in my life and I'm not overfunctioning in a self-destructive way like I was when I was back in my eating disorder back in the anorexia but you know overfunctioning is basically going to mean that there's not a lot left over for my you know it just means I'm compromising my health and well-being I'm actually um, putting my needs below some other needs and as I said before you can do that for a time but long term you're going to you can't sustain it so as I looked at my overfunctioning at this point I was able to trace it back to those that same taproot if you like of fear that had driven me way back then now it doesn't have the power over me that it had back then and I by the grace of God and I mean that genuinely um, by the light of God by the illumination of his spirit I can recognize it quickly I can go okay you know it's almost like you can read the dashboard on your car and go okay mm, we're moving towards the red now I'm starting to overfunction, and I don't want to burn out my motor and I don't want to um, you know be in that space I'm going to draw back right now so it helps you to catch it early you know that's what's that's a wonderful thing so what I noticed is okay what's going on as I just sit with this what am I experiencing how do I experience this overfunctioning? Well, I first of all need to recognize it, and the way I recognize it is I feel it in my body. I feel this physical propulsion towards action. And if it's in my thinking, it would be I must, I cannot. In other words, I've got to do this, I've got to keep going up there every day because if I don't, mum will think I don't care, and that'd be really bad. And really, if you work through that logically, it's it's not that bad, but you can work through it logically but that does not take the the charge out of the emotional propulsion forward and that's really what I'm talking about so it is beyond just this cognitive thing it's this deeper 
place in our self-experience that gets triggered. And for me, it's an old fear that if I don't do the right thing, and obviously somewhere in my brain doing the right thing, doing in my experience, I should say, doing the right thing is connected with looking after my mother, carrying my mother, um, being the burden bearer of my mother. Now, I can argue against that logically. I can do that. But it does not take the charge out of the emotional propulsion forward into that place of drivenness. And that's what I'm trying to address here today. So I can, I can feel it in my body. I can feel it like a pressure or a heaviness around my neck, my head. There's a stuckness because I'm feeling like I must do this thing or else something bad is going to happen, even if I can't articulate that really clearly. So there's a sense of physical propulsion. There's thinking that is like musts and cannot not do this. There's uh, feelings of uh, fear and anxiety. There's a bodily felt sense of heaviness and pressure around my neck and around my head. There's a feeling of stuckness so I first of all need to recognize this drivenness when once I recognize it I need to then turn almost physically turn and face it and go no I I'm not going to keep doing this it's it's to have a change of mind go no I can feel the drive to go this way but I'm actually going to turn right into the face of it and go no I'm not going this way it's uh, a change of mind Literally, it's a repentance. That's actually what repentance means. It's a, a change of mind. It's going. It's recognizing something, turning to face it and go, no, I'm not going that way. Um, and then it's about forsaking that way of being. So I'm going to actually walk into the fear, but I'm going to walk into the fear with faith, with truth. And it's important to say that faith is not a mental ascent. It is something that is something it's an experiential knowledge it's something that I believe in my heart from experience it's something that I've come to know and believe to be true so some of the truths that are in my foundations as a Christian are that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear but a spirit of sonship he receives me as a son as a daughter so I haven't got a spirit of fear. When I reconcile with God, when I come back into that relationship with him through Christ, which he always preordained for all of us, I recognize him as father. I, My spirit cries out, Abba, father. And that security of relationship, when, you know, fear is about disconnect. It's about being isolated and being unsupported and being in a vulnerable position of destruction but what we find here is we're brought back into relationship and it's not just any relationship it is with the God of the universe that loves us and so fear loses its grip on us and we are able to face fear and say no I haven't been given a spirit of fear maybe once I was driven by fear but no longer I don't need to let that fear drive me because I have the one who is greater than fear, that who has overcome fear in me, with me, and I can stand against it and I can start to move into it with faith that I am loved, that I am supported, that God will never leave me or forsake me. So that's the first thing. So I say, I, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of sonship. He leads me. He does not drive me. See, God is 
biblically God is represented as love that in him there is no uh, shadow of darkness that he dwells in unapproachable light that he's full of goodness that he is love personified that's Christ love personified and love leads love leads you think about someone who loves you they don't push you they may do things to help protect you if you're going in a direction that's going to cause you harm but they lead you they lead you they don't drive you fear drives fear if you've had fear at your back you know it drives you and the fear that drove me in the anorexia was driving me into self-destruction that is such an anti-life spiritual force that fear is moving towards self-destruction so he leads me he does not drive me this one is a big one. He will never leave me or forsake me. In other words, he will not leave me without support. That is so critical to the healing of my anorexia because my belief was that if I didn't do things right, if I didn't get things right, I would be left without support. And to be left without support was to be destroyed. There was a fear of destruction a lack of support, an inability to survive on my own. And no doubt that was developed in those early years as I developed this anorexia. I did need support. I was in a different space. I can support myself more now as an adult. But even so, you know what? Life happens like it is with my mum. I can't control life. And bad things happen to all of us. Bad things happen. We can't control it. And one day we all will die. So I have got to have something deeper in me that can hold me through all the angst of all those situations. And the truth is, he will never leave me or forsake me. He will not leave me without support. And this is another big one. He will never destroy me. He is not the destroyer. He is the one who comes to um, heal you know, he, it says, you know, in John, he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Christ. You know, that's why Christ came not to condemn, but to save. And, and it also says, again, this is scripture. This is what I base my confidence on. Jesus said, you know, very, very truly, whoever hears my words and um, believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged. They've crossed over from death to life. That is what it is to have that confidence against judgment because that was certainly a very powerful spiritual force. The spirit of fear, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of destruction. They, they are things that we can think. They are things that we can feel in our emotions. But I'm telling you, in my experience, with anorexia in particular, I mean, that is a... That is a, um, a battle that will take people out and that spiritual force of fear, that um, accusation that you are not okay, you are not good enough, you do not deserve to take up space, you do not deserve life, nurture, anything, that is a destructive anti-life force and I believe it has a demonic element as in it is an anti-life spiritual force, it is a dark spiritual force and what comes against that is love, perfect love that drives out fear and the knowledge that we you, we are loved by a good God, 
that wants us to know and walk with him in a way that is real and experiential and that we would experience ourselves as sons and daughters, as those that will never be forsaken. We will not be uh, left unsupported and we will never be destroyed. That in him we cross over from death to life and we have eternal life. Yes, we will pass through the physical um, doors of death, but we will never be destroyed. Our spirit, our soul, the essence of who we are will go on forever. And that's a whole nother topic. But I can tell you that fear, that drivenness, that fear that drives into self-destruction loses its power when we know that we are loved and that we have a security that is reaches deeply down or in or beyond this earth realm. It's a transcendent security. It's a spiritual, uh, it's substantial. It's a spiritual dimension that, you know, at times I find quite hard to articulate. But in my experience, it has been such a healer. And so for me, in my situation now with my mum, I am trusting. I am, am standing against fear that I will miss important moments and that will be really catastrophic. That's the old thinking. That's that old tape from years and years ago and it still tries to piggyback on my shoulders at times but I can face it now with truth and with the experience of many years of being able to go wait a minute no and walk against that fear and walk into a realm of healing and wholeness and so not to be driven today for example I'm not going up to the hospital um, I'm not I'm, I'm not doing that because I'm taking care of myself if I don't put the oxygen mask on myself guess what I won't have anything to give my mum or anyone else so I'm looking after myself but not in a selfish way which is another one of those accusations that you can really feel when you're in the anorexia like you don't deserve to look after your needs that's a, you know that you get kind of accused of being selfish that voice in your head will accuse you of being selfish it's a lie it's a lie you do need to look after yourself you deserve to look after yourself you are loved you are worthy of care you are worthy of support and so knowing these truths beyond just words and 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 experiencing them in a way that is deeply rooted in our inner being can help us stand against the challenges of life and those spiritual forces of darkness and it can help us thrive in these seasons of life that are tough um, and so that's a spiritual dimension. Does it have a human element? Absolutely. Is there a human element to, to connection and feeling able to um, look after yourself and pace things out and reprioritize and put your needs above other needs when it's appropriate? Yes. Having support, having that human connection is absolutely part of the picture. But when it comes to really uh, taking that spiritual force of fear by the, the neck and wringing it so it doesn't drive you into self-destruction, I just want to offer you the thought of that spiritual dimension. There is a spiritual dimension involved in that and you can have the, the, the grace and the power to stand against that and I believe you need spiritual power and that we have that in Christ that in him we have not been given a spirit of fear. We can stand against it. We can say, no, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship by which I cry, Abba, Father, and my Father loves me, and he will never leave me. He will never fail me or forsake me. He will never destroy me. He is not the destroyer. 
He is the one that leads me and guides me. So I don't know where you are today in your own walk um, with an eating disorder. And, you know, I've just spoken into this podcast today and it's a bit, you know, it's probably not as clear as it might be if I put it all together and wrote it out. I don't have time to do that at the moment. But if you would like to explore the first key of my 4x4 Freedom Express program, um, you can get a good sense of how I see that whole person um, picture of health and wholeness and how I work with that. Um, And you can go to my website, michellesparks.com. That's Michelle with two L's and an E and Sparks with an E-S. If you go to the support page, you will find 4x4 Freedom Express. And if you click on that, that will take you to the program and you will be able to do that first key for free. And it does introduce you to that spiritual dimension that's um, a component in the program. It's four keys with four components. And the fourth component of each key has that spiritual element. It is offered as a bonus. You don't have to believe or think the way I think. It's it's actually offered as a way for you to think about what you believe and how those beliefs affect you. In fact, one of my uh, clients who did the program and um, sees the spiritual dimension differently to me, um, she said, I very much appreciated the spiritual component of your program and understand why it's an important part of the process. I think everyone has a spiritual side to them one way or the other. And however they choose to define it, I think your spiritual component is a placeholder for that part of them. So even if they don't define it the same way you do, they can apply their own beliefs and incorporate them into the program as they see fit. And I'm really grateful to you, Kate, for that feedback. That's fantastic. So when I offer the spiritual component in the teaching I do, it is always offered as a bonus, as something for you to consider. You can accept it. You can reject it, take it or leave it, morph it into your own framework, whatever um, is right for you at this point of time in your journey. And you can dialogue with me. I'm always open to hearing from you, getting your feedback. And um, until next time, Travel well.